ROJC also stands for some good stuff, you know. So, Jesus Christ. So we're going to get some Jesus Christ moments here. J.C. Penny. <laughs> J.C. Penny. <laughs> well, I'm, not, I'm going higher than that, man. The J.C. anointing from up here. Jesus Christ anointing on your brother. Preach it, and may we hear it. I'm good. Oh, oh you got one? Okay. We all said Ben? I'm hearing a little ringing. Before we start, I was digging into um, some scriptures for the message, and I came across something from the early 90s. And yes, this is uh, ASCII text, for those who know what that means. And uh, it's about an age-activated attention deficit disorder. This is how it goes. I decide to wash the car. I start toward the garage and notice the mail on the table. Okay, I'm going to wash the car, but first I'm going to go through the mail. I lay the car keys down on the desk, discard the junk mail, and I notice the trash can is full. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Okay, I'll just put the bills on my desk and take the trash can out. But since I'm going to be near the mailbox anyway, I'll pay these few bills first. Now, where is my checkbook? Oops, there's only one check left. My extra checks are in my desk. Okay, there's a Coke I was drinking. I'm going to look for those checks, but first I need to put my Coke further away from the computer. Or maybe I'll pop it into the fridge to keep it cold for a while. Was that this this morning? (laughs) I head towards the kitchen and my flowers catch my eye. They need some water. I set the Coke on the counter and, uh uh-oh, there are my glasses. I was looking for them all morning. I'd better put them away first. I fill the container with water and head for the flower pots and, eh, someone left their TV remote in the kitchen. We'll never think to look in the kitchen tonight when we want to watch television, so I'd better put it back in the family room where it belongs. I splash some water into the pots and onto the floor, and I throw the remote onto a soft cushion on the sofa, and I head back down the hallway, trying to figure out what it was I was going to do. (laughs) End of the day. The car isn't washed. The bills aren't paid. The Coke is sitting on the kitchen counter. The flowers are half-watered. The checkbook still has only one check in it, and I can't seem to find my car keys. When I try to figure out how come nothing got done today, I'm baffled because I know I was busy all day long. I realize this is a serious condition and I'll get help. But first, I think I'll check my email. (laughs) Good job. Good job. Things were the same in the early 90s as they are today. Okay? Now, whoever wrote this has a great sense of the life. And after we chuckle for a few moments, we must realize that we need to be deliberate. Okay? Now, today's lingo, it means intentional about what you're doing in life, okay? 
And uh, let me read for you. The King James would say we need to redeem the time. Okay? Uh, Ephesians 5, and I'm going to start at uh, 14. It says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Okay? So that was for free. That's not even part of the message. But I came across it and I chuckled it and I went, I got to do something with that. Okay. Thank you, JC. We can all go home. Yes, we have. And I can hear the new update. I'm going to order my food, so I'm going to the phone to call Walmart, but I forgot my list. <laughs> and then you got the rest of it. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of background, okay? And in the book of Hebrews, there's a section that talks about the doctrines of Christ. And that's in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. And it says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrines of baptisms, and of the laying on of hands, and of the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Those are things that should be settled. Okay? Now, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the Holy Spirit, and specifically I talked about the three baptisms that occur, because that scripture talks about it in plural term. Today I'm going to continue to talk about baptism, but I'm going to talk about water baptism very specifically. Okay? Now, the three baptisms where the Holy Spirit baptized, baptism into Jesus, and that happens at salvation, and that was 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. Water baptism, which happens after salvation. And note, infant baptism doesn't count because it isn't a personal decision. Okay? Uh, You can take a look at um, Matthew 28, 19 for that. And Jesus' baptism in the Holy Spirit, which happens after salvation, but it can happen before water baptism, because we do have examples of that in Acts Okay, of occurring in both time frames. And see John 1, 33 and 34. You can also look at Matthew 3:11 and uh, Luke 3:16. Now today's text, we're all familiar with it, but today's text is taken out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. I'm reading from the New American Standard, and it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We know this is the Great Commission, and Mark, the Gospel of Mark, has the same passage towards the end, so it's in both places. Father, I ask you to speak Speak clearly to those that need to hear. I ask you to open the ears and enlighten the minds so that they can hear directly from you 
and they can ignore me because the word that's important is yours. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Okay. Over the centuries, the topic of water baptism has been a great source of controversy. Okay? What does controversy mean? Many opinions. We usually think of it in terms of, oh, there's a controversy, there's fighting going on. Not necessarily. Okay? It could be, but it only means there's more than one opinion. Okay? So we elevate the word beyond what it needs to be elevated as. Now, in this case, there have been a lot of people who have died and whatnot, so it is quite a battle. But... um, we're going to see if we can clarify some of the questions and some of the things that have occurred. Now, there's a list of questions that we could look at, and they phrase something like this. What is baptism for, and what is the purpose? Who should be baptized? How should baptize, baptism occur? And this is going to be a two-part answer to that, because there's two pieces And is baptism necessary for salvation or becoming a Christian? So we're going to look at those. Now the first one. Let's start at the beginning. What is baptism for? What is the purpose? I like the technical terminology that used in the books. It says, baptism is an outward expression of an inward work in the believer's life. Everybody get that? I know I got a couple of amens, but how about the rest? Okay. So it's baptism is an expression of what we're going to do to show everyone in the world, or at least those that are present, of something that's incurred inside of us. What is it that occurred? Born again, you've received Jesus. That changed your life. Okay, so you're going to get baptized to show folks that that change has occurred. So let's take a look at um, Paul writes in Romans 6. I'm going to read 3 to 7, so it's fairly long, but there's a lot of good meat here. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Okay, baptized into his death. We'll talk more about that. Therefore, we have been buried. There's a connection. We have been buried with him through baptism into death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Okay, and that's Romans 8, um, excuse me, Romans 6, 3 to 7. It's a lot of meat there. What do we have? Well, Paul gives us another example in a different location. This is coming to mind right now. It's not in my notes. And by the way, if you see me reading, 
I don't write down where the scriptures can be found so I can go find them later and write the wrong reference and wonder what happened. I write them right here so I don't have to hunt for them. When a couple is married, okay, I understand we have divorce these days, but what in God's economy, what is the only thing that breaks the bond of marriage? Death, death of one of the spouses. Okay, and what Paul is talking about here is you're bound to sin until you're born again. So how do you break that? You die. Well, if you're buried in the water, and that's the symbolism, it shows that you died to sin. And you come back, newness of life. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I gave us a different picture, okay? But it was, it had to do with the three baptisms, but the picture's still the same. When the Jews, the Israelites, left Egypt, the first thing that happened was it was a sacrifice. We call it Passover. They were chased by their their slave masters, because they were slaves. They went through the water. Baptism. Okay, or it's a picture of baptism. They went through the water. They came out on the other side. They were no longer slaves. Okay? Grab that picture, because that's what baptism is about. It's not just... We do it because we're supposed to. Okay? No, it has some real significance to it. It's also a day that you can point to and say, that's when all things changed. It goes right along with your born-again expression. Okay? So, and... um, Yeah, I'll give it to you. This is for free. Jesus tells us to be baptized when he's talking with Nicodemus. He he tells Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Okay, and that's John 3, verses 5 and 6. Now the question is, and I've already started to answer it a little bit, who should be baptized? What was that? Those that have received Christ as their Savior. Those that have received Christ as their Savior. Okay? That's the first requirement for this baptism. Um, Yeah, let's start here. In Acts, Peter is speaking and he says to those that are around, repent, That's a flag. What does that mean? That means we're getting into the born-again experience. There's change going on. Okay? Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Now note the wording. Baptized in the name of Jesus. We'll talk about that later. That's significant for some folks. 
And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children. Note the language there too, because that's significant for some other folks. Okay? For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, far off. Hark, what does that mean? That means they're in China? Well, yeah, that might be far off, but we're talking about time. We are far off from when this occurred. Okay? So it's saying it's not just for you guys that are here. It's for the rest of you that are in the future. Okay? Lost my place. And as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself, and with many other words he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Well, we had a perverse generation there, and we still live in one. Why? Because this is a fallen world. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Now, baptism, as commanded by Jesus... Is for believers only. We just mentioned that a moment ago. And I say that to separate it out because the Jews practiced baptism. They did it before and they're still doing it. The Hindus practice baptism and a lot of other groups practice baptism, but it's not the same. Okay? They're doing a purification system, but it's not the same as identifying yourself with Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay, because you don't stay in the water, you do come back out. Okay, so that's a a symbolizing of the resurrection with Christ. So there's a very strong identification with him. That's what it's about. Um, Okay, some may conclude from Peter's exhortation that children can be baptized. Okay, because let me read that section again. For the promise is for you and your children. Well, yeah, we have children, but those children grow up. Okay? So we're not talking about baptizing them when they're infants. We're talking about baptizing them when they've grown up to make the decision that they're born again. So there's a little confusion there, and some folks are taking that to mean, oh, Baptize the children. No, I'm talking about far off in the future. Okay, that's what that language is about. Um, So in my view, those who believe that children should be baptized, well, if they've made a decision for Jesus Christ and they're born again, that qualifies. But if only baptizing them because it makes me feel better, That's not what we're talking about. I'm glad you feel better, but that's not what we're talking about. Um, Peter is indicating that baptism is for all generations and not just for the generation that he was living in and talking to. Okay, so that's where the clarification comes from. Let's continue. How should baptism occur? Well, the controversy here is 
Is it total immersion or just a little sprinkling of the water sufficient? Okay? Because there are different denominations and church groups that are split over that question. So what does the scripture say? What's the historical context that we have? Um, well, whether you believe in total immersion or sprinkling, the first thing I have to make sure is we are all in agreement that we're talking about water. We're not talking about something else. Okay? Um, the dictionary defines baptism as the application of water as a rite of purification. That would be your Jewish okay, methodology that they're using. Okay? Because that's exactly why they're doing it. Or it's an initiation. Now you're thinking about the Buddhist and some of the other groups. Okay? You're baptized to initiate you into the group. Um, yeah, let's move on. No, let's do that. The word baptized in Jewish usage first appears in the Mosaic laws of purification. That would be Exodus 30, verses 17 to 21, and Leviticus 11:25, where it means washing or cleansing, consisting of the process of immersion. Um, and the word is, the Greek word is bapto. We have baptism from that. And it means to dip. To dip. It's used in John's baptism. Okay, he went fully into the Jordan River. And it's the same for Christian baptism, full immersion, okay, that many of the denominations practice because that's what the scripture talks about. Let's see. And that would be um, like Jesus voluntarily submitted himself to that, and that would be Luke 12:50. Doesn't sound right. I think I got the wrong verse there. Um, and again, that's the word baptizo, which would be the verb, okay, to dip. Now that's used by the Greeks to signify the dyeing of a garment by immersing it into a solution um, to give it the color that they're trying to give. So you take a garment and fully put it into the solution that has the color and take it out. So that's the normal usage, and of course we have a more specific usage we're describing. So that's the history behind the words. Um, yep, the Romans 6, 3, 7 passage we just talked about. Paul is equating the act of baptism with the burial of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I'll mention it again, but that's what the the process is for is for us to identify with him fully that the old life of sin is now dead, buried, it no longer takes place, and we come out freed. Okay? So that's what the, the process is about. Um, and if you want to look at some total immersions, you could take a look at Matthew 3.6, Mark 1.5, and Acts 8.38 of occurrences of full baptism by immersion. Now, secondly, how should baptism occur? And the question comes up is, in whose name should an individual be baptized? 
The gospel makes it clear that baptism is done in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'll bring you back to the excuse me, to the text that we're talking about today. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So why do we have some folks that baptize in Jesus' name only? Because we have some of those groups. Unfortunately, they take it from passages like the one I just read. Um, when Peter is speaking to the crowds in Act 2, 38 and 40, which I read just a few moments ago, it says, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So you go, oh, well then that means it's sufficient. We don't have to do the other two. Well, there's... We refer to it as the Trinity. We have one God and three persons. They're all three of them together as part of the Godhead. It's not three separate gods. So if you're baptizing in Jesus' name only, you're making a case or starting to make a case for the fact that there's three gods, when in fact they're united and they're all one. Okay, So that's where the issue comes down to. Um, yeah. So lastly, is baptism necessary for salvation? Well, I have mixed emotions on that one. Okay? Jesus said to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. It's very specific. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. That's John 3, 5, and 7. But yet, Jesus told the dying thief on the cross, truly, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Well, if you look at it closely, that means he's going to be in heaven with Jesus. When he got born again on the cross, okay, and asked Jesus, remember me. Okay? Jesus didn't look at the garden and say, do you mind letting him down so he can go get baptized? Because I want to bring him up. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. I'm sure the guy on the cross would have liked that, but that didn't occur. So, you know, I look at the two and I go, it boils down to, if I have the opportunity to be baptized and I say no, I'm being disobedient. But if I do not have an opportunity, like I'm hanging off the cross, okay, then it won't happen, but that doesn't disqualify me from going to heaven because I'm born again. Okay, and that's all that counts. Okay, so that's where the distinction occur. Um, in conclusion, and I'm going to finish here, baptism is, in, is an important part of Christianity. First of all, because Jesus told us to do it. Okay, but also because of what it does to us. 
Okay? There's nothing magical or spiritual that occurs except for the fact that we go through a process of obedience. We're fully submerged, which means that's the death part. But when we come back out of the water, that's the resurrection part. Okay? So that's where the key importance is for that one's got life. <laughs> so, yes. So, everyone who's a believer is called by Jesus, okay, to be baptized. Pastor, would you like to take over? Lord, oh my soul. Amen. Now, I want you to go also a next step further, because we're always looking at Jesus as our example. Now, Jesus was baptized, right, when he came up out of the water, because Jesus was 100% man. He had experienced everything that you and I have experienced and more. But there are a couple other things I just want to add to this. Because when Jesus then came up out of the water, what did he see? The dove came down, which is the presence of what? The Holy Spirit. And what was opened up to him? The heavenly realm. Now, I want you to understand something. Because we are the body of Christ. We have an adversary. So surely, it's fine to be born again. But to be empowered, to be baptized... To have the heavenly realm opened up to you, but also I want you to recognize you're making a statement. Yes, there are those that are all around us on this realm that recognize that there's an inward work and that you then display the outward work, but I want you to know that you're also letting the adversary know there's a display in the heavenly realm that's transpired that you're his that you're now a son, a daughter of the king. And you are now one who's been empowered to advance the kingdom of God. So it's more than just walking out salvation. Now you're empowered and you're dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. So that's why often, I mean, it's so amazing to me when you see these opportunities. Now there are those that say you only need to be baptized once in water. I've been baptized two or three times in water because there's been an urging by the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to give you one example because I know this has been a little bit lengthy this morning. But We were at the Feast of Tabernacles in Canby, Oregon, and it was a Christian camp setting very much like Singing Hills. And there are these settings where we're all in our own cabins. And because of the setting that Tabernacles was, there was witches and warlocks that got saved. The, well, many attended the meetings. Some of them got saved. Some of them had to leave because they couldn't stand the presence of the Lord. But where this baptismal was, it was an outdoor pool. And so the Christian setting was here. You went under kind of an underpass where the road went across, and then the pool was off to the right. And there's just this large, huge, huge open field. I felt to go be baptized. So there's probably 10 or 12 of us. So we come underneath, and we're beginning to walk towards this pool. And all of a sudden, the spirit realm opens up to me. And I see this whole field 
is now so much like the encampment that you see there with the tabernacles, with the tents all around it. But these were military tents. And this was God's army, and they were those on horseback, and they were arrayed in armor. And I felt they were there preparing for our baptism. So when we recognize what we have in God, there are essentials for salvation. But there's also equipping to be part of the army of God that will advance the return of His Son. And if you look around you, the hardship and the difficulty that you've had, we read and we've talked about Psalms 139 and the book written concerning you. Your adversary knows you. He has calculated your life from the moment that you were born, and in many cases, inside the womb. And so in turn, he's purposed to destroy you because he knows the will of God for your life. So in turn, God has given us the means by which we can be equipped, empowered, to face the day that we're called to, which is today. So if any of you look over your history from as far back as you remember, how many times would you surely found yourself dead if God had not intervened? At least three times. Sophie? Hmm? Come on. Because God has had a desire in His heart to see you reach your fullness of potential. And in order to do that, the Word says we have an adversary that, to, that like a, roars like a lion and goes to and fro in the earth seeking whom he can devour. Well, those that do not have authority cannot resist him. Those that walk in authority, that have been empowered by the Holy Ghost, not just have the ability to resist him, but they have authority over him. Amen? And so as we're talking about this baptism, I mean, I remember Val, it's been, what, three years now? Jesus passing by my house for the last 20 years, however many years, 25 years. And so all of a sudden, three years ago, she strikes up a conversation because we're working the garden out there with the flowers. And then she starts to get stirred in her heart because the inner man, the destiny that's inside of Val begins to be awakened. There's something in timing of God just through conversation. So then she chooses to take the next step. She comes into this little household with a bunch of crazy people. And all of a sudden, she's got the food bank. She's finding people that she's known forever. And so then she opens up her heart. She wants the Lord to come into her life. And then what's the very next thing that she asks? It was maybe two weeks later. I'd like to be baptized. Well, I have to believe that most of us, when we became baptized, didn't really understand what we were being asked or what we desired to do. But it was the inner man, the purposes of God, that awakening of who you are in God, your destiny being released at the moment that you asked Jesus to come into your life, then that book written concerning you, all of a sudden, guess what? It's been empowered to be fulfilled. And then page after page after page begins to unfold. And in those pages being turned, your adversary wants to see the next page not be able to turn. 
And so God says, you know what? I've made it available for you to be equipped, empowered. Let the old nature die because the old man can't resist that devil. But the new man that comes out of the water, guess what? That new creation man is in Christ Jesus. And the one who, back to the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God hovered over the earth the moment that you became born again. Can the devil resist the one who fulfills the will of God even to the point of creating the universe and all that it contains in the name of Jesus? I don't think so. And so when J.C.'s talking about baptism, surely it's part of what many consider the, uh, what is uh, we speak about, the, the tenets of the faith, the elementary doctrines, to be a member in the church. Guess what? You're a member of the army of God. You're, what do we say? We're a child of God, empowered to fulfill the will of our Father. And so when you leave this morning, recognize the foundation of the word that hopefully will set apart maybe what you were brought up with as a child or even as a young adult or even some ways an older adult. And allow God now to take, take this by the Holy Ghost and just look at the person next to you. Come on, look at the person next to you. Say, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Come on. I've been baptized in water, and I know the power of the Holy Ghost because I have relationship with that person, the Holy Ghost. And I'm set in my heart to fulfill every word written concerning me that God has placed in my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, yes. Yes, yes. You know, uh, supernatural, like a, a spiritual experience. Um, when Elijah was baptized, uh, his dad did it. We were on a family vacation, and we were up in the White Mountains, and we went to a lake called Forest Lake. And um, at the very moment that he went under the water and came back up, a fishing boat came by with, two people and like a younger kid I think that was on it and it was something that we always remembered because you know he says come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and just thinking back over it like when you go through it you know it's so amazing I mean who could plan that like the things that happen that he orchestrates is totally from the Holy Spirit and it was just so wonderful. I mean, from the weather, because it had been all rainy, and then all of a sudden, it just right before he went under it, and it was chilly time of year, because it was October during tabernacles, <laughs> and he was with his family, and, you know, like I said, the Holy Spirit just showed up, like, in an instant, and made it so holy. Yes, and the the the, the bright light just came, and it was gorgeous, Yeah. Come on, because I want you, you've got to get this picture. Because Jacob's ladder is the angels ascending and descending. That's a place where you and I are supposed to live. Come on. We've been born again. Where's your citizenship? It's in heaven. Come on, we're aliens here. This isn't our permanent residence. Because if our citizenship is in heaven, then we have access 
to transcend this realm. Come on. Maybe I'm just a tad few minutes too soon, but um, as you know, we've been helping the people that are homeless through our food bank, and JC and I a couple weeks ago brought down a whole bunch of sausage that they cook on an open fire, and if anybody's looked at the Valley News, there's a story this morning about some of the people that have been there long, and we have a newcomer in the foyer that was one of the people that they spoke about that cannot find housing but has a job. His name's Chris, and he's out in the foyer, so show some love on him. He's a really good person. And the other young lady, I took her on the river yesterday just to give her some peace and show her a change of environment, and she was so happy to just be so close to see nature and everything else in a whole different way. Just show some love on them. They're out in the hallway. So, so it's Christine. Thank you, Andrew. Baptized in water. Baptized in the Spirit. As Howard Pittman used to say, little church, here comes the fire. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you, J.C. Amen. Continue to pray for Brian back there. It's like 13 days now. His whole right side is just all the nerves are just doing. Those, those uh, Italian women are having a good fight. So we know that's all going to come to an end. We don't know where. We don't know when. But we know healing's coming. So we stand with you, Brian. Amen. Lord, we just ask you to Christine. Thank you for softening her heart. Thank you, Father, for Belinda taking her to see your creation. Take you to see your creation. Well, that was Sarah. Then bless Sarah, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We love you in Jesus' name. Make sure there's food next door. Make sure you take whatever is necessary and you take it to someone you need. If you've got questions about our trip down to Lancaster, Miss Kathy's just right there. So we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name.